0: This industry is a lifestyle. It's not a job. It's not a career. It is a life. And if you're not willing to go the extra mile and show up in the morning with coffee and with a smile on your face after only sleeping an hour, it's not for you. You're not going to be pushing pens pencils around. You're not going to be sitting in an office. When an email comes in, doesn't matter what day or what time it is you're expected to answer it and to be on top of it. And that's, what's going to make you successful in this industry. And if that's not something you want, it's just, it's not for you.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Hospitality Mentor. I'm very excited to have Lonnie Page, CEO of Mixology Mixer and Lonnie Page Events here with us today. Lonnie, I appreciate you being on the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, I feel like uh, we almost know each other. This is our first time meeting and we know so many people in the same circle. So it's great to finally speak with you.
0: Yes, I hear your name all the time.
1: (laughs) Well, we always get started with the, your first job in hospitality, how did you get started in this beautiful industry of ours?
0: Well, my first job, I guess I would say in this industry was senior year of high school was I worked at a children's birthday party place after school as um, a part-time job.
1: And where was this?
0: Long Island. And, Long Island. Island. Yep. and,
1: what, and do you remember the name of the place?
0: imagination station
1: (laughs) imagination station and what did you do in imagination station
0: oh i spent a lot of time disinfecting toys Mm -hmm. but i learned how to cut a ice cream cake that you put the knife in warm water and cut it so Mm -hmm. that was a really big learning experience (laughs)
1: And were you like one of the characters there or were you just helping support the parties?
0: I I was the host. So I would support the parties. I learned how to make balloon arches and I would just set up all the decorations. And then I would do, I guess we'd call it a run of show, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I never really knew that I was doing that. And we would have everybody arrive, serve the parents some bagels, let the kids play. The parachute was always the popular item for all of the kids to play. And then we'd serve cake and then they'd go home.
1: Do you remember what your first day was like when you were there? Do you remember like walking into like your first job, like what did, what am I going to expect? Were you nervous?
0: My sister had worked there, so mm-hmm. I had seen what she had done, and then she ended up getting me the job. So I was pretty familiar with what it was. And the funniest thing is, I'm not the kid person at <laughs> all. So everyone thought it was very funny that I was working there.
1: Well, see. I'm happy to hear that. I started in kids clubs back in high school. So we all, you know, I think it's a good place to practice uh, as it goes. So, but let's transition out. So I want to give the background of the listeners. So Lonnie, if you look her up on LinkedIn, you'll see she has experience all in such great industries and beverage and events in PR uh, before she launched her company. So I want you to take me on a little bit of a journey there. Right. And how you transition to where you are now. Um, You can start wherever you like, but I just think you have such an interesting background of how you've landed and being a founder now.
0: So I came to college down here. I went to FAU. I was living in Boca, and I just became infatuated with South Beach and the music scene down here, and I would drive from Boca down to South Beach and was determined to land myself an internship at Ocean Drive Magazine. Mm -hmm. So I did just that and drove down here three times a week here being Miami Beach, right. um, to intern and stuff envelopes and eventually do nightclub openings. And this was when Ocean Drive was in their heyday in the nine, like 99, 2000. Right. So I was working at different club opening, openings, their anniversary party, Palooza, some really phenomenal events. And I kind of just threw myself in to create a job for myself that involves more than envelope stuffing. mm mm-hmm. <laughs> And we had actually, this is going to show my age. They had just launched the website when wow. I was um, interning there. So I had a digital camera, and I would go out to nightclubs and take pictures. And then it would take about two days to upload all of the pictures, <laughs> and they would feature my pictures on the Ocean Drive website, which I don't know who I went to, but that was like my very first, I guess, introduction to the Miami nightlife event scene.
1: All right, so I. Ocean Drive, one of the most popular magazines as I was coming up and even in college. So when you were there, I was in college and I remember always looking at the cool shots in the back. So are you telling me the shots oh. in the back were yours?
0: Well, I'm not gonna shot take on scene. I'm not doing, uh, gonna take credit from Seth because he would be very <laughs> okay. upset. Yeah. But yes, yeah, some of the pictures. I got to do some of the Boca and the Palm Beach stuff because I lived up there. So oh, very cool, them, yes. <laughs>
1: Nice. So then how did you start transitioning away from motion director? That's a great place to be. Did you work full time with them ever or was it just no? I was. Role?
0: I was always part time. I, well, I was always an intern. And then after that, went back and forth to New York for a little while to try to figure out exactly where I saw myself landing. And I got really lucky, ran into a guy at Pearl Nightclub by the name of Noah Heppenberg
1: mm-hmm. and Jason
0: Strauss, who owns Strategic Group. And they told me about this new thing called a promo girl. I was 19 years old and did not know what a promo girl was, but I knew I was going to get paid $30 an hour to walk around and hand out something called Smirnoff ice. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And there was this big concert called ultra music. Yep. Didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And I was to stand backstage and hand out Smirnoff ice and then go to this place called space and hand out Smirnoff ice. Little did I know that being a promotional model and a brand ambassador could be a full time job and a career. So
1: that's amazing. Was Ultra still on the beach at that time? Like no, on the sand? No,
0: it was first year downtown.
1: Got it. Yeah, because I remember when it started. We were in high school. It was on the sand, so I forget when it transitioned. So that was interesting.
0: I think it was either the. I think it was the third year that I started going.
1: Cool. So then you're in the promotional scene. You start learning about beverages.
0: Yeah. What happens and then, from there? From there, got a job at Tower Inc., like you said, so started working in PR, a little bit more hospitality, mm-hmm. and learned that I did not like writing, that I liked throwing the parties. Yep. So from there, Tara Solomon was absolutely amazing to me. She allowed me to utilize her as a mentor. And while I was working there, I was living at this building called the Flamingo South Beach, which if anyone lives here, they know it. If they don't, best way to explain it is the post-college dorms about 3,000 people on disposable income that live in South Beach and want to have a good time. So while living there, I applied to be a recreational director. And I created, I built their website, created an entire program, and started doing pool parties there and bringing in different sponsors from Bacardi, Red Bull, Vitamin Water. We were the, everybody's target demographic. Mm-hmm. So became friends with mm-hmm. DJ Irie at the time, who I said why don't you come over and DJ some of these parties yeah,
1: hold on I gotta see what year this was I might have been at these parties <laughs> I remember everyone was like trying to sneak in and you had to like yes. have somebody live in there right this
0: was yeah that time 2006
1: 2008 yeah. I just come back to, <laughs> to South Beach I just came back yeah that's awesome
0: <laughs> so I probably met everybody there I'll probably still in people's phones as Lonnie Flamingo uh, so I was there for a really long time. Um, while I was there, had some part-time jobs, was working at Pangea and Griffin up at the hard rock, Yep. did a bunch of different things. And then people just started coming to me, asking me to help them with things. And I was like, I should just start my own company. Yeah. So I did. <laughs> and that was the beginning of Lonnie page events, which I really got my footing mostly with liquor brands. I was working full time for Botran rum. And the only English-speaking person, I think, mm-hmm. pretty much at the company. And they're like, have you ever done sales? I had never done sales before. Right. So started doing liquor sales with Southern and wasn't so bad at it. And from there, I just kind of transitioned into doing more of their event sponsorships. And then they became my first client.
1: So how, let's talk about that transition. I'm curious about that. So I love that story because... Mine was a little bit similar where people just started to reach out. Okay. Hey, can you help? And it mm-hmm. kind of clicked like, yeah, I could help. And maybe I do this full time. And that's what I did. So I'm curious for, for listeners, right? Cause it's very scary for someone to have like a job and then to make that jump. What was it like for you when you transitioned into having your own company? Like what, give me those first couple of steps. Like.
0: It was terrifying. So I was at Botran full time, but I was working remotely. So I did feel like I was very much on my own and I would get these opportunities to do weddings or to do anniversary parties. And I felt very guilty because I felt like I owed them my full attention. And I, if I wasn't giving it to them, I felt bad about that. So I went to my boss who was amazing. And I said, would you hire me as a consultant instead of a full-time employee So I could do stuff and not feel bad about it. And he was so gracious and so supportive and told me, yes, we figured out the salary and the requirements. There was no way ever that I could have gone completely on my own without having their support. And they supported me for probably two or three years on a still what was pretty much a salary, but allowed me to not feel that anxiety and that stress and that fear of not having any income. So that allowed me, I mean, my God, looking back at it, which is such a blessing, like I owe everything to this one person for doing this for me.
1: God, I okay. love hearing that. That's such a cool way to start because so many people just burn the boats and they're like, all right, I have to now survive, which is good for some people. Um, and
0: I still talk to everyone from that company. They use me for now the companies that they're at. So got really lucky there.
1: So when did it start to grow? You know, like you had your main client. When did you start saying like, all right, now I have kind of multiple clients? How did that start happening?
0: Really gradually and very grassroots. Um, I remember when we had Super Bowl here. This is really how I guess my like big event stuff started. We had Super Bowl here. Few, not the most recent one, probably like three times ago. Mm-hmm. And I posted something on Facebook and I said, I'm in between jobs looking for some new clients. If anyone needs help for Super Bowl, let me know. A company called BMF Media. It was a friend of a friend, the owner, Brian. He was still a little bit young now. I mean, he's huge, but reached out to me. And my job, I was going around to every dick Sporting Goods, or maybe, no, Sports Authority, sorry.
1: Sports Authority, yeah. And
0: I was- <laughs> I had to purchase every football in probably South Florida. And I remember I had a two-door little Honda Civic piled to the top with footballs because I was helping them with decoration. And they gave me all this responsibility to hire staff. And I remember I got a bonus. This is bad. I got a bonus if I returned all the footballs. <laughs> so, nice. But I'm at like all these stores just buying thousands of footballs. And well, that's why
1: Sports Authority went out of business because of you. Like, you see. <laughs>
0: So they gave me all this responsibility because when you're doing such big programs and big events, I remember was on the rooftop of the W Hotel and like Pete Wentz was DJing and Serena Williams, this world was just like, I, I couldn't even believe it. And at that point I was hiring staff to help run the activations with me. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was probably how it really snowballed was from that one activation and then other brands starting to hire me from there.
1: That's so cool. Right. So just putting it out there on Facebook, getting this opportunity, you know, it just shows you like, you never know where that one lead is going to come from. Right. So, all right, great. So you crushed Super Bowl, and then what you started, had leads started coming in.
0: Leads started coming in. I wasn't doing any marketing, any type of outreach. I just answered my phone, answered my emails. I mean, I'm from New York. I am very quick to get things done. And I think being in South Florida, that was a little rare. Mm Mm-hmm. So just was really attentive to clients. And then people just started referring me a ton of business. And I was then having probably like 13 or 14 different email addresses because everyone was having me white label for their companies. So no one really knew that I had my own company, but I was just kind of helping out a lot of different agencies and companies that were based in New York, LA, and Chicago.
1: That's awesome. You know, I, I'm doing that now with some people, like starting out in social media and PR. Like, hey, I'm going to use your services and put my logo on it, right? Yep. And so that's another way of kind of getting started too, right? For others that are looking to. So I love that you hustled that way. So when did you start transitioning to where it was you and it's your company? And people knew that it was you.
0: Probably, oh gosh, I, I can't think of like the actual moment. It was so gradual and so organic how it happened. I mean, don't get me wrong; I still have probably 10 email addresses. And I laugh and I was like, guys. Everyone knows that I have my own company, but if this makes you feel better, I'm fine with that. I don't need the glory. Just give me the work. Yes. Um, I honestly, it just, it just like slowly happened and people just started calling me. I can't even remember the moment. That's so weird. It just like doesn't even exist in my memory.
1: That's cool. It's cool that it grew that way to where it wasn't just like one pop off. So as you're growing your company, now you're settled in, you have multiple clients You know, I think experiences and events are really important coming up, which we'll talk about. But how did you start making sure that your events were done the right way, right? Because it's hard to control so many things at once, so many different people. How do you set up your events for success?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that has set me up for success is having preferred vendors. So I have a very, very tight group of people that I work with on a consistent basis for my AV, my cleaning, my ballet, whatever it may be. What I had learned over the years is if you don't have a good relationship with your vendors, you're not, you're not gonna be successful at all. If you don't have some type of a friendship and they don't feel committed to you and have a responsibility that they'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe I let Lonnie down. So when it came to that point, it took me probably 20 years to get there, to have the main people that like, I know I love working with, that I could plan an event 72 hours out and probably get every single thing done, paid for, set up, organized, and in my hands. When I don't see a lot of people being able to do that, it's a matter of having those like people on speed dial that want to almost do you a favor and want to be part of what you're doing.
1: Yeah, that's true, right? The preferred vendor part is key. And I think... A lot of people don't have that. They just start calling random people and they let them down, right? So that's a great and, tip.
0: And it's interesting. My biggest tip to people is just to pick up your phone. So I'm now a preferred vendor at Mana, which is in Winwood. And the past two people who have reached out to me said I was the first one to answer the, their call. So I looked at the list. I'm like number seven on their preferred events person on the list. And I was like, that, uh, and it just boggles my mind because I guess I'm just born a hustler that I I, I want the business. So mm-hmm. I'm always gonna answer. I don't care where I am, what I'm doing, I'll call them back. And it's so interesting to me how people just, I don't know, they're not as aggressive, I guess, to get back to people as I am.
1: So for me, selfishly, I want to know because and I've always worked in hotels, right? So the leads come in and then you have your catering and conference team and everyone puts things together. For you, like you just said, you're on the, the Mana Winwood preferred vendor list. Mm-hmm. After someone calls you, they're just saying, hey, I want to do an event, can you help me? I don't know what I want to do. But can you put it all together? Is that how it works?
0: <laughs> Pretty much. I like when they say, what What would the budget be? Without like any conversation, I was like, um, I don't know, a million dollars. I've got a, about a million questions first. Mm-hmm. So it depends, like the last person who called me, um, I had produced the Bitcoin conference this past year. So awesome. the person who called me is with an NFT conference. So they said they were looking for the person who did the Bitcoin conference and they wanted the exact same thing. So that that's pretty standard for me. Obviously, I'll start with basic intake questions. They'll, there's always the game. What's your budget? What's your price? Mm-hmm. Favorite game. But usually going through basics, you know, every- how do you
1: handle that question? Right. Because <laughs> right, some of you like, I don't know how much is it going to cost me? I have no I idea. Know. Right. Are you going to say hey, I have got 10,000, but it's a hundred thousand dollar event. Like, how do you handle that?
0: Well, I'd say a few years ago, I would entertain every potential request. Now my time is a lot more limited and I have to, you know, turn down jobs sometimes. So I'm really transparent and very honest with them about what I think something is going to cost. And I also don't want to waste their time. So if I have someone come to me for a wedding and they're trying to spend $10,000, I'll tell them that we could go to a restaurant, you know, and do something nice and go to the courthouse. If somebody comes to me and they have a venue in mind, I'll tell them, "Okay, please be prepared to spend fifty thousand plus 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 plus." And if that's something they're not comfortable with, then I want to get that out the open immediately. People get a little uncomfortable about it, but I'm also trying to save everybody some time. Mm-hmm. And then you have the people with, you know, the champagne dreams on a beer budget. Yeah. So you kind of have to like reel them in. But I just try to be super, super transparent in the very beginning.
1: Yeah, it's a great tip. You know, especially I see so many people now they call me like, Hey, I want to do an event at this hotel or that place. I said, well, mm-hmm. listen, you guys, you need a hundred thousand bucks. Do you have a hundred thousand? Right. Get going.
0: And I also feel like I've reached a point in my business and I'm secure enough with myself and my capabilities that I'm okay throwing out a number like that. And the people that can't afford it, I'm, I might not be the right fit for them. And, and that's okay. And mm-hmm. maybe I could send them to, you know, somebody else who works for me and they could put together something a little bit smaller. So, I guess I used to be a lot more emotionally invested in it because I was living so paycheck to paycheck. But I mean, it was the moment that I'm really able to direct my clients in the way that works best for them, not what's working best for me.
1: Great. So now we have the budget for the part of the event. How do you start forming? a Bitcoin conference or this giant NFT conference that got so much press. Um, I, I didn't know you made that. So I, I'm, oh. I'm pumped up for you. That's awesome. <laughs> I saw it everywhere.
0: So templates, all about the templates. A lot of events are copy paste. So we'll usually start with the basics, which will be AV, food and beverage security cleaning. Those are usually the first things that we'll start with. And then once you have the foundation built and you know, the basic, information as far as how many people are going to be there, what type of seating, is it going to be a stadium-style seating, do they want tables, how do they want it to look. Once we figure that out, and I have an idea of what they want, I reach out to my vendors, and I tell them to save the date, I give them as much information as I currently have, and then I'll typically schedule an in-person meeting or a walkthrough with the client. I don't want people to go through too much work until we have a meeting, because sometimes every single thing could change there. So I'll usually just start building up a budget from, you know, ground up and then um, work from
1: there. That's awesome. Uh, So once you have the event plan, you've got the budget, you've got everyone agreed to, when you're working with these mega events, right, what are some tips you would give to someone as they're coming up? What would you tell them, like, focus on these things to make sure it's a success?
0: Be very mindful of the vendors that you're bringing on for your event. Right now I'm working on some formula one stuff. So we know that we need a caterer that could handle a large event and could that, and has experience doing large scale events. I don't necessarily want to look at a caterer. That's going to do a beautiful sit down dinner. I want to look at a caterer. That's going to be able to turn out food really quickly for the clients and knows what could be in the Florida sun for a certain amount of hours. What could you know, sustain being replenished every few minutes. So really thinking about your environment, your clientele and picking, don't don't pick just the first person who gets back to you or who is the lowest price, because you may end up having more obstacles than you imagined by going with that vendor. A lower price doesn't always mean that they're like the best option.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can see that very clear, right? You you get what you pay for. I learned that, especially in this industry, you get what you pay for and make sure you're working with the best. So with F1, I'm excited for that to come to the city. How has yes. that been working with that event? Um, maybe you can share certain things. You can't share certain things, but how has that been? so far?
0: <laughs> well, I just came out of a 48 hour summit um, where I was hired by an amazing agency called Corso Marketing Group. And they hired my team locally to assist with a large energy drink uh, Got it. Brand. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> we can guess which one. If you watch F1 Racing, you probably guess. one. Mm-hmm.
0: So we are in charge. My main focus is guest services and making sure that everybody is treated as a VIP. So we are in the process of creating beverage menus, food menus, entertainment, transportation, Um, deciding if we're putting in helipads in different locations, working with five different caterers to come up with menus for all of the different locations. So figuring out how we're transporting people from one place to another place with insane traffic. So a lot of moving parts, a lot of fun. um, And I mean, fingers crossed that this will be my baby for the next 10 years.
1: Hudson, I hope so for you. I'm so excited. I started watching this show on Netflix and never seen F1 racing, and I got so into it, and so did my wife. And she's like, Oh my God, I got to keep watching each episode.
0: Everybody that I hired, I said before they came to the summit, they needed to be caught up on the series so we could talk about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, now we're fully vested in this race. And for people who don't know what's happening, the F1 race is coming to Miami and it's going to be at the Dolphin Stadium. And they're going all out like they're building a marina, they're creating a place to put yachts so you could have a yacht in the the middle of Miami around the stadium and watch the race go on, which is amazing.
0: Which I did not know until today, which I happened today to get a call from a yacht company who Mm -hmm. asked if I could assist. And I was like, where are you putting a yacht? And yeah, we're putting in a swimming pool. So I mean,
1: Hey, (laughs) the magic city in Miami here, you make things happen. That's how it goes. So, Listen, we're talking about what's coming up, but I want to talk about some of the stuff that you went through and you created a new company coming out of. So, you know, we all got hit hard in hospitality during the pandemic, um, but you didn't just survive. You thrived into to something new. So tell me about what you created.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yes. So this has probably been one of the most wild rides of even crazier than starting my first company. So as of uh, March 2020, I was planning the hearts and stars gala for the little lighthouse foundation and working on stuff for carnival cruise lines we were doing the launch of virgin voyages all these amazing things and all of a sudden everything stopped Mm. so I think I did my two weeks of you know adopting a cat I didn't bake a bread I got a peloton um you know everyone like had like their like COVID stay at home list yes and I live by myself so sometimes it's very challenging being, you know, closed off from people I'm used to being very social. So started doing a little soul searching and talking to friends of mine and if you recall in the beginning anyone who was self-employed wasn't able to get any type of benefits at all right. from the government. So I find that I'm pretty scrappy, I guess. I immediately went on the, you know, the internet and figured out how to get rent assistance, how to get food stamps because yes, I have savings, but not enough to sustain me for what was, you know, could potentially be two years. So started talking to friends of mine, asking them what their plan was, because in the hospitality industry, you if you work for yourself as a bartender or something like that, you really had absolutely no support and no one to turn to, to assist you. So I came up with an idea that from my house, I was going to make little cocktail kits that I knew everybody was drinking from home. And I knew that I had friends that could lead these cocktail classes, and I would be able to maybe pay them Maybe they could get, you know, diapers for their baby, or they could get food to eat or hopefully pay their rents. So for me, it started kind of as just a little bit of a charity, um, a fundraiser, if you will. Right. So started working on this and then kind of just snowballed from there. I started thinking, okay, well, I was in the liquor industry. A big bread and butter for me was liquor store samplings, buying, you know, drinks for people at bars, having promo girls. None of that stuff was happening. So kind of figured out how to put it all together into a new company called Mixology Mixer, which I started working with a liquor store that had an empty space that they were letting me use. And this started really gearing up in October of 2020. How did you find
1: the liquor store? You just started calling random liquor stores?
0: So I asked some of my friends who were still in liquor sales and I said, who's the coolest liquor store owner? Who's your coolest client? Mm -hmm. And they told me who it was. And I called him and they were not wrong. (laughs) So this liquor store was super supportive. And then I reached out to other distributors or suppliers that I knew. And I said, do you have brands that you still have a budget for that you would like to get these brands into people's homes, educate people about them, have them make cocktails and do something really cool for just our world right now. Because people are feeling so disconnected and so lonely and I know like depression is up. People are feeling really sad. What can we do to help so many things from unemployment to liquor brands surviving? Because I think if I had been at Botran at the time, the rum company I was at, I was like, what would I have done? We, maybe we wouldn't have survived. Right. So then at this point, I am now sitting in a parking lot at BB&T station. I'm at bb and doing COVID testing for the Latin Grammy Awards or Latin billboards. I don't know. One of them. Yeah. So this was a part-time job I got for myself in 90 degree weather. I'm outside running the testing for the awards. And I don't know if you remember everyone thought we were insane that we were doing these awards.
1: Yes. So, it was all over the news. Yes.
0: So while I was doing this, my intern from two years ago called just to see how I was doing. And I said, I started this little company and somebody just placed an order for like 200 kits I was like, do you want to help me? Because I'm stuck in a parking lot putting like Q-tips up people's noses. Mm -hmm. So she (laughs) said yes and started helping me. And then she was like, well, I want to start making the boxes. I have a lot of friends that are unemployed. They can come in and make the boxes with us. So she started making the boxes with me, became my business partner. And we were working out of Fort Lauderdale for about a year. And now I thought it would be done. I never for, like could have seen this continuing, but then we were getting clients like Amazon Corporate, Nike Corporate, Bank of America, all of these big organizations that were at home that were just Googling virtual cocktail kits were coming to us. We were putting kits together for 14 people to 400 people and sending out these kits <laughs> in this little teeny tiny office. That I just said, anyone who wants, just come in. I'll pay you cash. I'll give you lunch. Wear a mask. Let's just all be together and enjoy, you know, not being home by ourselves because Tiger King was done. What else were we supposed to watch?
1: Right. So, That's right, Tiger King.
0: <laughs> we started making all of these kits and then liquor brands started reaching out to me and they were like, this is like a legitimate way that people are drinking and tasting brands because there was no other real way to do it at, t- at that time.
1: So, so I, have, I have questions. I'm gonna interrupt you now because I yeah, have questions as no. you're building this, right? So you're getting boxes. Were they just like boxes you went to Michael's and bought boxes <laughs> or were you branding the boxes at we, the beginning? We Probably not. With some,
0: we started with some brown boxes and yeah. now we have fully customized brands and boxes, different sizes, different shapes, and brands have actually asked if they could brand their own. So we have a lot of custom branded boxes as well.
1: That's cool. And so now you're shipping liquor different places. Did you need some kind of license or are we still figuring that out? I'm not trying to out you. No, it, was <laughs> Podcast a very,
0: it was a very gray area, but we we ship everything through our liquor store partner
1: Ah, got all it. all of
0: the states that they permit. So we were packing the boxes, shipping it, buying the liquor from them. So the brands are getting sales, they're getting their depletions, they're getting reorders, we're buying the liquor, they're supporting us, and we're shipping it with the FedEx from the store.
1: And you get paid by the people buying the yeah. product, right? So you make well, a cut off of mm-hmm. that. That's awesome. I love that. That's a great business.
0: It's been crazy. And so now we're doing um, our virtual classes. And about, I think it was in May last year, we have a warehouse now in Wynwood. Mm-hmm. We built a studio. <laughs> and we have a full um, fulfillment sensor and warehouse and now we just started doing we have club mix which is a subscription Mm -hmm. and we've started doing in-room amenity boxes for good time hotel gabriel hotel um a bunch of different hotels because they weren't doing um room service or their mini bars
1: oh it's a chat about that because now i'm working on some projects at hotels doing just that so (laughs) talking about mini bar and room service and you know i just posted a couple things on it of how to to kind of get around it and be creative and come up with new things. So we'll definitely talk after this about that. So as you're putting things in, are, are there kind of companies reaching out now? Cause you're saying you're doing, it's not just liquor, right? You can get snacks. And-
0: yep. We do everything. We even do cooking. Um, we do baking classes. We do hypnotherapy, do yoga, really anything. I mean, obviously the liquors are definitely our most popular one, Right. Um, but we have started partnering with different brands and they'll let us know if they have, something coming up that they want to promote or they need to send out kids to influencers. And now we just started doing the value added packs for liquor stores. So brands have come to us and they say, can you create something that we could you know, give out in the liquor stores?
1: I love it. I got a coffee coming out. My brand, I have to talk to you after that about that as well to see how that all works. It's so oh, cool. We,
0: we have, but first coffee, one of our classes, we have ganache trois, which is our chocolate and wine pairing. <laughs>
1: That's so cool. It's so cool when you're under pressure. It's just that's kind of your story now, right? You've just been scrappy. You're like, I want this internship at Ocean Drive. I'm going to go get it. I want to start parties at the Flamingo. Now then you're Lonnie Flamingo, right? And now you just kind of put things together and you create this business out of nothing. It's a real skill that a lot of people don't have, but I, it's awesome that you're sharing how you kind of got there. So now you've got this going. You have your events. What's What's coming up this year for you?
0: So now I've kind of split my company in, into two separate teams. So I have our Mixology Mixer team. I have an amazing creative director who I met when I was working on Groove Cruise, which was a very fun time in my life. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. I them. don't know
1: Groove Cruise, but it sounds like it a lot of drinks and a lot of good music.
0: The world's largest EDM music cruise charter.
1: <laughs> oh, man sounds fun what cruise line was it on
0: we did it on ncl and carnival it's still oh, goes nice. on. i'm i'm too, I'm too old <laughs> yeah,
1: right. you're you're gonna be there this year i see it
0: <laughs> so our plan right now is to continue pivoting once again into using mixology mixer for gifting for experience boxes working with dmcs putting boxes in rooms at hotels And we have mini mix that people have been giving for gifts. They can go right on Shopify and write a personalized note and send it to a friend of theirs. So we also started a liquid catering department within mixology mixer, where we'll go to any type of an event. We did stuff for our Basel and set up the bar with specialized decor and come up with specialty cocktails and do all of the bartender staffing and so with mixology mixer, it's pretty much just you know it, it's changing every single day because it depends on the variant and the day, I guess. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, we definitely
0: don't foresee it going anywhere. It's been really cool that people are able to do these events and things from home and still be able to be so connected.
1: So if somebody so, wants to get into your box, what do they have to do?
0: You just go to mixology mixer. Oh, oh, like if a brand wants to get in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. They could just, you know, give me a call. Let me know what what they're trying to promote. We get reach, we get um, like outreach. A lot of PR firms will reach out to us. So it really depends. Like if they the, the good thing is, so if a brand is reaching out to us and we're putting it on the website, they have absolutely nothing to lose. Unless somebody orders it, there's not really any type of like a commitment or a partnership yet. We'll do everything on our end to promote it via social media, advertising, um, SEO stuff like that. We have an amazing social media director. So we'll do everything for that brand, but there's no commitment. My goal is just to really help brands get exposure. So we work work a lot with Q sodas. So it's really, we try to work with smaller brands, a lot of women-owned companies because we're fully women-owned and we want to include really boutique, interesting things into our kits. I try not to go any like mainstream, like major brands, um, like our coffee is Dr. Smooth, which is a local company yep. down here. So we're very mindful. Like, and the creamer that we use, there was a woman who was on Shark Tank that we found that we loved. Our jam that we used is a woman who was involved like with surviving people in Eastern Europe during World War II. Her family was, was making jelly and like helping people survive. So all the brands we search for have interesting stories too.
1: God, I love that. That's so cool. And, and you're helping other people succeed, right? Yeah. With your business.
0: That's yeah, Awesome.
1: That's great. So where do you see this year going?
0: Oh, goodness. You sound like my accountant. Um, no. <laughs> um, gosh, you know, I don't know because we didn't really have many bookings in January for the month of February. And then in the first week of February, we got completely booked up and we have mixers every single day. So we're, we're working on doing boxes in a lot of rooms for different events. Like for formula one, we're looking to put together experience boxes for the hotel rooms. We're really hoping that it continues to just keep trucking along the way that it is. Our subscription is not really where we want it at. We're trying to figure out like exactly how to perfect doing a subscription box We just added club mix because we're like, Oh, let's have a subscription. We didn't really think about it too much. Again, we didn't see this lasting more than a few months and now it's been two years.
1: How about vacation rentals? Do you do anything with vacation rental companies yet?
0: No, that's funny. I was thinking about that. I was, um, I have a friend who manages a ton of Airbnbs. So I was thinking this could be a really cool gift to leave for people that are staying in places. I did think about
1: that. So I'm a partner company down here. We have 41 homes, luxury homes, and we're always looking for cool stuff to put in there. So now we're working with local teams and vendors to put their stuff in there. So that's a good space for you, I think, to be in. I I really think you should look at that more. It's a really cool place to be. And a lot of the owners are trying to create that unique experience that you might get at a hotel, but in the homes. for I love that.
0: Okay. I will look into that. We we'll can talk about that. that. <laughs> yeah. So
1: how about Food and Wine Festival? Anything with Food and Wine Festival oh, this year?
0: Yes. So this is actually so cool. Um, right, wine I,
1: and Food Festival for all everyone out there. Right. Not Food and Wine. Wine I and I Food know. Festival. I
0: was going to correct you. Wine but, so I have actually been involved in some capacity with Wine and Food for probably about 15 years, usually with a brand. And then I finally got hired as an event manager. So I have my own events with wine and food that I'm handling. I have a bunch of dinners, but then we partnered with Sip Smith Gin and we have a table for a mixology mixer at the Grand Tasting Tent.
1: Wow. So you're working with JP and his team? Yes.
0: yes. Oh, we love JP. We call JP one of the girls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> JP and Lauren, right? So that's who you're going to be teaming yes. up with. That's awesome.
0: Yes. So they supported us last year. They have been there. I mean, Our company would not exist without JP and his support. He has been so amazing and so supportive. So we love working with him. We come up with a great cocktail and we just stand there for three days under the tent serving up drinks. Um, We'll probably do a raffle to win a year subscription for a kit. And then myself, I will be doing, like I said, three different dinners. I have something at the Turnberry Um, I do, this will be, I think my fifth year doing the Swan Brunch with Pharrell over um, in the design district, which I love. And then I just got hired by this great guy named Trevor. (laughs) We are doing something very exciting, but I can't give too much information about it. Got
1: it. This this is now Trevor Haig, my college fraternity brother. So ah, it's just a small world how this all comes around.
0: What we are doing has never, ever been done before. And that's a lot in Miami. I cannot believe that he got this approved. And that's a lot for me to say.
1: Oh my goodness. All right, put me on the list. I need to be able to (laughs) help. If I can't get a ticket, I'm coming on the backside of helping and supporting. Friday
0: night of South Beach Wine and Food Festival at the Fountain Blue.
1: Very exciting. I'm excited for you. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's my favorite event of the year. So I'm excited for you and being such a big part of it.
0: I should start rusting up now. I'm taking it easy this weekend. (laughs) Yes, You got
1: a limited amount of time to get ready. So Lonnie, the whole point of this podcast is really to help people coming up and you've gave them some great tips, right? If you were going back to Lonnie at the imagination station, right? What would you tell her if she wanted to be coming up in this event industry right now?
0: Oh goodness. I would say, (laughs) Oh, this is going to be a mouthful. This is like my, my, met, my PSA to millennials or what's the what, the, what are the ones younger than millennials? I think
1: it's generation Z now.
0: Generation mm-hmm. Z. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to tell you guys out there. <laughs> Definitely have an internship. I think an internship is so important. Um, I really, really learned a lot and it was also just a great stepping stone. And when I look at people's resumes, if they had had an internship, they would beat out somebody who had it. My, other piece of major advice is be humble, be humble and realize (laughs) what I almost want to say, respect your elders. (laughs) Um, Well, I say that because I hire a lot of people that Mm -hmm. work with me, all my children. And I have seen a big change over the year that people are expecting a lot. And there's a level of entitlement that I know for sure I did not have when I was younger. If I needed to work a 24-hour shift, guess what I was doing? I was sleeping in a hallway or on the floor somewhere. It did not matter to me. I was very determined to make it in this industry. And I am not seeing a lot of that at all. I'm seeing people that are putting parameters on what they want to do as far as working nine to five. This industry is a lifestyle. It's not a job. It's not a career. It is a life. And if you're not willing to go the extra mile and show up in the morning with coffee and with a smile on your face after only sleeping an hour, it's not for you. You're not going to be pushing pens, pencils around. You're not going to be sitting in an office. When an email comes in, doesn't matter what day or what time it is, you're expected to answer it and to be on top of it. And that's what's going to make you successful in this industry. And if that's not something you want, it's just, it's not for you.
1: I, I agree with you. And I think that's great advice for anyone coming up because everyone thinks like they, they want that, oh, I want to be in the event space. I want all the glamour, but not the work that goes into it, right? That's no, the, the hard not,
0: part. It's not glamorous. I mean, between you and I, I won't even be able to go to the F1 race. There's no way I'll be there. I'll never see it because I'll be working. Right. <laughs> and, that's true. And like, I have a lot of younger people who come into the events world and then arrive at an event like, that they're a guest. And it's, it's a very interesting thing. I was so, I was just very humble and like, almost like just there to serve the people above me and learn from them and grow. And I'm not seeing that right now. So, I mean, I hope, I'm sure there's people out there. I just haven't met them yet. I have a new intern that's starting. She's coming from Denmark and it's crazy that I just haven't even really been able to find any people, not only not in Miami, but not in the U.S.
1: That's amazing. What's what's her name coming from Denmark?
0: Julia. She's
1: all right, started- Julia. you you got all the tips given to you
0: <laughs>
1: by your boss already. Well, Lonnie, listen, that's great advice. Where can someone connect with you? Where can they find you? Where can we send the listeners?
0: So my events website is just LonniePage.com. Pretty straightforward. L-O-N-I-P-A-I-G-E. And MixologyMixer.com and follow us on all of our socials, our Mixology Mixer, social media, Instagram. I don't even know how our creative comes up with half this stuff. I just sit and laugh. I mean, last week there was a mail truck with our with a pig driving it maybe for mm-hmm. National Mail Carriers Day. I, I don't even know, but it's amazing.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna get on and follow right after this. I gotta see what you're talking about here. But Lonnie, I appreciate you being here, especially someone who shapes the city with such amazing events and who has such a long history and making this one of the coolest places to visit and to live. I appreciate you being on the show. It means a lot to me. Very grateful to have you on here.
0: So much fun. Thank you so much, Steve.
1: We'll talk to you all soon. Another edition will be coming out very soon. Thank you. podcast is a hospitality.fm production.